Welcome, Thought Leaders. I'm Beck Sands. I'm Andres Lopez Varela, and you're listening to the Thought Leader Show. If you're an ambitious professional, exec, CEO, or business owner looking to grow your personal brand and become a thought leader, you're in the right place. We'll bring you inspiring chats with people who use their personal brand to create successful careers or businesses and become thought leaders in their field. We'll also talk through some of the practical steps and must-dos that you can action to build your own personal brand. And this is what we're most excited about. You're going to see how being a thought leader gives you the opportunity to help others and support people to realize their goals. A personal brand might sound self-serving, but we're here to show you how it can actually have a positive impact on you, your community, and who knows, maybe even the world. to the latest episode of The Thought Leader Show. Andre, it's so good to have you here. How are you today? Oh, I'm really happy to be here too. Very excited for this chat today. Thought Leaders, welcome, welcome. You're going to really enjoy this. Nathan Jones is on the show today and he is just phenomenal. Um, as soon as you hear his voice, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, this guy it should be called The Voice, quote unquote. He should be called The Voice. Um, he is a former voiceover artist for Paramount, uh, so working on shows like Nickelodeon, MTV and Network 10. And he's now an emotion researcher and the director of the Mood Institute. Yeah, Nathan is a guy who um, who we met last year and uh, we've seen him speak and uh, he's a TEDx speaker as well. Uh, but he's also a researcher. You know, as Beck says, he's an academic researching the, um, uh, the, the impact of, you know, mood and our emotions on our well-being and also on our working relationships, on communication and, you know, the, the role of emotions in the workplace. His work is really unique and very fascinating. So today we're going to talk to him about how he kind of got into this kind of very unique space, um, how he sort of, you know, uh, his research has led him to a particular kind of thought leadership. And also, you know, he's got some really good hot takes on, you know, what it actually means to to, to, to put your work out in the world in a way that is useful and beneficial for, for your community. So we're very excited to have Nathan on the show. Yeah, he's got a PhD in experimental psychology from the University of Adelaide. Uh, and he's spoken at uh, TEDx, South by Southwest uh, Austin, the World Congress on positive psychology. Um, and he's also been featured in media outlets like the Sydney Morning Herald, the Daily Telegraph, ABC. Um, and he uh, was 2019 Australian E-Challenge Social Entrepreneurship Award winner. So, yeah, he's an amazing guy. So we he's can't a wait heavy to hitter, dive in. guy. Yeah, we can't wait to dive in. All right, Thought Leaders, pop your headphones in, turn the volume up and get ready to welcome Nathan Jones to the Thought Leader Show. Our guest on the show today is Nathan Jones. Nathan, welcome to the Thought Leader Show. Thanks, Andres. Thanks, Beck. Good to be here. Good to have you. We're really happy to have you on the line, mate. Thanks for joining us. And let, let's start as we do with all our guests and ask you how you would describe your personal brand in a sentence. Oh, in a sentence. Look, guys, I would say, and maybe this is a bit dated, it's very, um, it's very uh, 2010s, but um, all the feels, 
maybe all the feels. I mean, I really, yeah, I love dealing with emotions and labeling them and understanding them and helping people make sense of them. So really, I'm all about feelings. And how does that sort of relate to your um, manifest in your professional world and your work and sort of the the thoughts that you're putting out into the world? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I work in uh, really the field of psychology, just, just finishing my... Um, my PhD, actually in 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 the final weeks at the moment, submitting next week. So I am. That's exciting. Uh, thank you. I'm so ready to move on yeah. to, the, <laughs> to the next chapter with that. But <laughs> yeah, my, my PhD has been very much about all these fields and understanding how we can categorize and conceptualize emotion. Um, just the, the, the question, how do you feel? is a really difficult one for a lot of people to answer. So um, hopefully a lot of my research can help people tap into their emotions and be able to label them in really intuitive and simple ways. So it really manifests through my work in that way and has been a little bit of a theme throughout my career in both uh, voiceover work and working in, in music, just really helping people tap into their emotions um, and better make sense yeah. of them. Yeah, fair enough. And like, what are some of the deliberate steps that you've, that you've taken to grow that particular personal brand? Yeah, it's been um, an interesting one. I, um, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm an introvert that's kind of run away from having this front-facing personal brand for a while. And personal branding's almost been like a, a little bit of a, a, a dirty word, a dirty phrase for me because, um, you know, I, I grew up in a – in a very uh, pious, conservative Christian family where it's not about glory to me, it's about glory to yep. Jesus. You know, it's all about yep. being yep. super humble and being someone that really kind of steps away from the spotlight. So, you know, I've always kind of had a really interesting relationship with with the idea of having a personal brand. But I think particularly when I um, stepped into this music career way back in the mid 2000s and um, I entered like a singer songwriter competition and I won a development deal with, with Sony Music and just it was an amazing adventure but I realized quite quickly that um, if you record even the most amazing album that you've put your heart and soul into but you don't promote it, um, it never gets found. And there's this fallacy, yes. right, that if you build it, they will come. And uh, nah. that's uh, that's super <laughs> idealistic. And look, the introvert in me would love that. Let's just lock ourselves away and create and then people are going to find it. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, yeah. it doesn't happen. So because we met at State of Social and we absolutely loved your presentation. Like it was just, it was like a roller coaster of emotion, but it was just hilarious. And then it was like challenging. And then it just like really made you think. And it was so engaging. Like we just, we loved it. And like I was saying to you off air, but it was literally a talking point for the next two weeks um and we were all going we we're all going so good because <laughs> he said so good throughout the presentation and we just loved it so how do you take people on that journey oh thank you so much Beck. that's super that's super <laughs> kind look oh uh, it's it's funny i um 
yet th that particular presentation, we were really talking about different brand archetypes, right? And different um, emotional states that we can really go through and 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 leverage to to better understand our personal brand. So, I mean, that in itself, um, there was so much emotion built in <laughs> to the talk because we really had some of the music, right? And some of those words and, and imagery and all that stuff. So you get taken on on that journey. But I think even in talks that I do just to, to corporate or, or, or workshops about general emotional intelligence and self-awareness and understanding ourselves, um, I, I just think humans are inherently emotional, right? Like um, even, even when we pretend that we're not, even when we fall into these age old arguments of like, no, it's women that are the emotional ones and men are the logical ones, which is, I mean, I, I hope we've moved bullshit. beyond that. It's complete <laughs> bullshit. Um, well, because humans are emotional. We have emotions and we feel them. So I just think it's such a great, um, not only just if you're presenting really anything to tap into that emotional side of things, but I, I feel really lucky to, to be dealing and talking with emotions because people get to feel them and um, emotions aren't conceptual. They're not things that we just uh, talk about and then leave behind. We, we need to feel them to understand them. So um, that's always something that I try to do when I, when I present and when I, I am engaging with other people. And there's that, um, is it James Clear who said like, every decision is an emotional decision at some level. And then we just try to rationalize it afterwards. Like actually, you know, that is the core of who we are. You know, we, 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 we buy a car because it makes us feel a certain way. And then later we're like, oh, it's safe. It's good value. You know, it's got a lot of space. Uh, it's great for the kids, all that kind of stuff. But actually, you know, the emotion drives the decision totally. uh, pretty much all the time. Exactly. All of those things you just mentioned are all very emotional in a lot of ways. I have children. I care for them. I love them. <laughs> I like the style. I, I, I care about what people think of me. There's all these very emotional things that are underlying, yeah, what we generally think is uh, hardcore logic. So you mentioned before, Nathan, um, how you kind of building a personal brand was a little bit like, you know, it just like it didn't quite sit well with you. But then you realize like actually, you know, you can't just build it and they will come like you do need to promote and like you do need to put yourself out there. So what kind of um, mindset challenges did you have to overcome and how did you sort of, you know, I guess um, start putting yourself out there and how did, how did that all happen for you? Yeah, such a great question. Um, it, it has been a long journey. And if I'm honest, I'm probably still on that in, in a lot of ways. Um, for, for me, it's, uh, it's funny, ego, I'm still unraveling what ego actually is and what it actually means because it's so tricky and slippery. But, you know, for the longest time, I thought I was putting my ego aside by having that, whatever that humility is that says I can't step into the arena as Brené Brown likes to say, like, I can't step in to this place of being who I feel that I'm ready to be and how I can um, be used to serve others and inspire others and do what it is that I need to be doing in the world. Uh, it's, um, it, it's funny that I've been running from that for a while, but I actually think that looking back, that is that um, semi-egotistical underlying space that it's like, wow, I, I'm, I'm so concerned about what people think think of me and uh, I'm putting so much weight on who I am in the world and who I am to somebody else. Um, 
it was actually shedding a lot of that and saying, hey, you know what? I'm willing to look like a clown, even though I know I generally don't, but sometimes I do. But I'm willing to do whatever it takes to actually make an impact in the world and to actually um, step into what I know it is that I can bring to the world. So it's been an interesting switch that what I thought was the humility <laughs> actually probably was more of that uh, overcaring, precious, oversensitive, um, thinking the world revolves around me mindset. But I feel that now stepping into a place of just being a little more light with it and making the mission the, the main thing and, and me being the vessel willing to make myself look dumb where I need to, um, that for me feels a little more in line with what um, personal branding for me is about, just putting myself up there and um, having that courage and generosity to maybe look a little bit dumb and maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable, but um, in that, um, be able to get that message and that mission across. I love that so much because someone of your caliber, um, but saying that, you know, it, that you still have that kind of hesitation and you still are on that journey. Like, I feel like it's, um, you know, it's good to hear, like for the rest of us to hear that, you know, everyone that's kind of still building or thinking of building their personal brand. It's like, you know, even people that are being interviewed on TV and speaking on big stages all around the world, they're still on that journey too. Yeah. yeah. I'd say so. And I reckon yes. I'm going to have this probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't reckon I'll ever hit the point where I'm about to hit like a LinkedIn post or whatever and not feel this cringe of like, oh, oh I totally. have to post this much. <laughs> Why? Oh, totally. <laughs> but it's, it's, so, it's so, so powerful, man, to sort of understand that, I think, and have that awareness. And I think that is the path. And certainly the conversations that we've had on the show with like, you know, more than a dozen thought leaders so far in different fields has kind of demonstrated that there is a need to be, like you say, courageous and generous because truthfully that stuff is scary, you know, especially when you're starting out doing it for the first time. Like when you do your first workshop, is anybody going to come? If I go to this conference, is anybody going to want to enjoy what I have to say? If I post this thing on LinkedIn, is anyone going to, gonna, you know, engage with it? If I do this media interview, is that going to, you know, be, be, you know, interpreted incorrectly? There's all those kind of fears, but actually truthfully, the best thought leadership is about service and it's about being of service to a community and your audience. And, you know, the work that you do is so unique and so valuable, you know, that intersection between, um, you know, psychology and, you know, leadership and emotion and, you know, like, um, you know, uh, working with other people, like that's so unique that if you don't put that out in the world, then it probably doesn't get out there, you know, in, in another vessel or another medium. So, Courage is really, really important, but also I think as well, like you said, just a certain kind of like uh, screw it attitude, you know, like I'm just going to go and do it and uh, and it's going to land or it's not going to land, but I'm still going to do it anyway because I know it needs to be done. Oh, mate, you're inspiring me. Thank you. Yeah, that's and I, and I think that really is, I think you put into words, Andres, what really, yeah, I think is the uh, the daily not just struggle, um, but I guess uh, mission <laughs> and challenge to really step into that to say, hey, today, um, yeah, I, I care and I still have fear. <laughs> but um, yeah, to feel that fear and do it anyway, right, is, uh, yeah, is always, Big the, time. Uh, always the goal. 
<laughs> so Nathan, like you're definitely a thought leader in your space, like in the feelings, emotional space. Um, how, like, do you perceive yourself as a thought leader? Cause what we found, the reason why I'm asking that is because what we found is that no one really thinks of themselves as thought leaders <laughs> when they are. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's an interesting, it's an interesting word. Like, I think I definitely wanted to, uh, uh, like I, I, when I first heard the phrase thought leadership quite a while back, I'm like, I want to be that, uh, particularly because I wasn't really working in that space. And so it was a great signpost for me to think, yeah, like I want to do, I want to do the TEDx talk, right? Like I want to step into this space of, um, yeah, doing something um, that's, uh, I guess, uh summarizing things that are really meaningful to me. But I remember saying to, uh, I think it was my older brother at the time. It's like, I think I want to be a thought leader. I want to step into thought leadership. And he laughed so hard at me. And then he, and then he showed me a video, like a YouTube video of like thought leader. And it was this whole kind of parody. And that was his introduction to the phrase. And so I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm never going to say that again. That's horrific. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, it's been an interesting journey with it, but I think you're right. I don't, I don't think many people I know that are doing similar work would really call it thought leadership uh, but um i'm sure it's a helpful title to have though to differentiate whatever it is that this thing is because there is a common bond right like I, I really 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 connect with you guys in um seeing both of you speak and both of you communicate what is that thing because i i, I feel like i share it with you and i admire it in you so maybe we can just use the term and maybe get a little less precious about it. I don't know. I love that because it's almost like, but it's almost defining thought leadership as like having the courage to speak up about topics that are important to you. I love that. Beck, I think you just nailed it. <laughs> well, <I> think, <laughs> yeah. well, this is the exploration on this podcast and like there's no one kind of definition and we have been exploring it for like, you know, the two seasons that we've been doing this show and I feel like, we've come upon, upon like, you know, various different definitions, but just kind of in the way that you were describing thought leadership then, I feel like that, that just captured it to summarize it. But yeah, it is having that courage. And I feel like, like you said, that's something shared, but it's almost like everyone that's doing it is overcoming something in order to be able to share, because it's not like it just comes naturally to people and we all just are like, Oh, okay. You know, born for the stage. And like, it, it you know, maybe there's some celebrities that are like that, but most people that are like doing this for their work have had to sort of overcome some kind of, you know, mindset challenges or adversity in order to be able well. to do it. And, and we, we try to really clearly delineate the difference between, I think, thought leadership and like celebrity. Like they're not the same thing, right? And there are some people who maybe started as thought leaders and then became celebrities, probably not thought leaders anymore. Um, you know, that does happen sometimes. But I think there is a really clear distinction between celebrity and thought leader. And, and, you know, it's really about that service and about, you know, giving giving back to a community and sort of, you know, helping, helping help them grow, educating, um, you know, sharing knowledge. Um, I see it actually as a really sort of like ancient practice, you know, like storytelling around the fire. That to me is kind of the, the vibe that I get when I think of thought leadership. It's about sort of, you know, and obviously we do it differently this day, this day and age. We don't sit around fires that much, but 
you know, we sit around LinkedIn or, 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 you know, Instagram or whatever to, to do that. And so, um, it feels very natural and very human and very authentic, I think. And, and one of the things in particular with your work, Nathan, I think is that that combination of the sort of, um, uh, of the psychological and the organizational is really, really compelling. Can you give us sort of an idea of, you know, how you landed into that space as your, um, as your territory, if you like, as a thought leader? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's an interesting um, way that I arrived there. And actually, I might just say before, before diving into that, and I think this relates as well, I, I just, when, when you're talking, both of you, I think thought leadership is interesting in the way that, um, as you're saying, Andre, sitting around that fire and it being more of an ancient, uh, an ancient practice. I, I, I yeah, I, I love that the two elements of thought and leadership, because I'm someone that's probably a little more introverted, but then I love that kind of extroverted nature of putting things into action. And, um, and I know, um, Father Richard Roy in New Mexico, he has an organization called the Center for Action and Contemplation. And this kind of yin and yang of the two elements, both kind of complementing each other and pushing and pulling against each other is really important. So when I think about thought, it's a very much like a, a mind-based, uh, internalized practice. But leadership is very much a body-based action practice, right? And there are plenty of people that um, I think uh, have a lot of thought, but they don't have the leadership. And I think there are a lot of people that have the leadership, but they don't have the thought, right? And yes. so some of us skew to like pure action without, so the, uh, without the groundedness. And some of us maybe just stay in our own heads and never actually get out there. So I do think that there's, there's something about thought leadership that kind of, you know, has that, uh, those two dimensions, the light and the dark, and somehow fuses them and puts them out into the world in a meaningful way. So, so yeah, and I guess to that point, I think that's maybe what directed me into this fusion of um, organizational, which for me is very much that leadership, right? It's the action, it's the getting out there, it's um, it's really that yang kind of energy. Um, whereas psychology, and particularly um, academia, it's been very much the thought <laughs> and more of that internalized yeah. state where you're stuck in um, the university basement um, trying to find papers and research and put concepts together. So. Um, so I've been really excited in the last couple of years with my company, um, which is called the Mood Institute, um, to actually take a lot of the thought <laughs> from the university academic walls and bring that over into more of that um, real world applicable applied um, setting, which tends to be in organizations. Because I know at State of Social, you were talking, Nathan, about um, color and how colors make you feel really specifically. Can you share a little bit more about that? Because I found that so fascinating. Yeah, absolutely, Vic. It's been a really interesting um, way to address, um, as I mentioned before, this question of how do you feel? Uh, because it's such an abstract question. And a lot of us, if I was to ask either of you, how do you feel right now? Um, I mean, you guys are probably very emotionally intelligent, but most most people, myself included, you're like, ah, oh, let me have a let me have a check, because um, uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot to digest when we really go into these labels and actually putting words to to our feelings and our lived experiences. Um, and we do know from the research that that really helps when we put a label to it. We actually have this awareness that helps us process and move on with our lives. So it's a very important thing to do. But I found that for a lot of reasons, people don't have the tools to necessarily label their emotions very well. And, um, and even when we do have a word like, um, I'm feeling upset, um, is that closer to anger 
or is that closer to sadness? You know, like it can get really vague. And so we created this, um, a, a series of experiments and one we're just in the final stages of now where we're um, essentially testing people based on this mode of color um, and even emojis as well in another test because uh, it's another nonverbal way of expressing how we feel. But we've been able to see that the, the colors that people select are quite uniform. So if someone is in the red zone, for instance, it's a very different feeling from being in the blue zone. And we've, we've measured that against depression and anxiety and stress scores. So it's technically a clinical study, but we've been able to really see that we can not only see some patterns in the way people use color to describe their emotions, but we can actually um, uh, predict this, there's kind of statistical significance in the way that we can actually assume um, what kind of emotion people might feel by the way they, uh, they use and select and discuss colors. So that's been a really um, an interesting way of um, taking something that's a little abstract and making it a little more emotive. And for me, the really exciting part is that when I'm teaching emotional intelligence skills in organizations, we don't have to be bogged down by these words that maybe not everybody relates to, but we can use things like the red zone and that blue, blue zone, green zone, all these colors. It's a mm. really, um, it's a really intuitive way to, to get the conversation of emotion um, uh, in, in, into the arena. And I would also say that it's super cool to treat emotions in the same way that we treat colors, because there's, there's really no such thing as a bad color. All colors belong. <laughs> and if we, if we take a color out of the color spectrum because we don't like it, the whole model's broken, right? Because every mm. color um, is part of this spectrum. And I think emotions are the same. Even though we don't have the same relationship with them, we like to think there's bad emotions that I don't want to feel and there's good ones that I want to have more of, but they all belong. And if we use this kind of analogy of colors, it just means that whatever we're feeling is just part of the emotional spectrum. And we just get to notice it, we get to label it, we get to feel it, and we get to use it as data that shows us what we need to do next. We don't need to hide it. We don't need to put it to the side. Uh, we just get to observe the colors that are emerging and then uh, and then do what we need to do with that. That's such important work because I feel like, you know, we all need to like understand our emotions more and and be able to manage our emotional state a little bit better and like understand how we're feeling and, you know, and all that kind of thing. Like emotions are such a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, they kind of are, eh? I think like emotion and mood, it, it's kind of life. It's the, the fabric of our existence in a lot of ways, but, um, and a lot of behavior is driven. Yeah. And a lot of behavior is driven by like avoiding negative emotions and <laughs> numbing emotions and, you know, all that kind of stuff for better or for worse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've been there. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've just been through a big period of numbing and maybe that's what yeah. I needed, but I think I'm ready to do something. I think I'm ready to move on. Yeah. A bit of self-awareness. It really helps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh good. yeah. <laughs> Such important work. We, um, we always um, wrap up our chats with uh, the Thought Leader 5, five rapid-fire questions to get to know you better, okay? So I'm going to hit you with them. Uh, it's kind of like just whatever comes to mind first, yeah? All right, first one, your favorite book or favorite podcast? Oh, you guys. Um, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I would say um, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon, best self-help book ever. Amazing. Ooh, what do you like up. about that one? Um, oh man, I just, uh, I learned so much about myself in that book and, uh, yeah, it, it pulled me into this world. So 
always got a lot of time for that book. Yeah. All right. What's one thing that you love to do to unwind and relax? Oh, mate, I love cracking open a kombucha. Um, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, reading a, reading a book or, um, I don't know, going for a lovely walk. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. What is your dream travel destination? You haven't been yet. It's on the bucket list. You've got to hit oh, it. Oh man. Um, you know, Philippines actually. Um, it's yeah. For whatever reason, just kept bypassing it. I haven't known yet. Oh my gosh. One of our best friends spends six months of the year living in the Philippines oh, and six months God. in Sydney. Oh, I want to be. We we'll have to connect you, and you can <laughs> yeah, check out his island. Oh, the yes. island he lives on, not his island. Yes. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. This is a very important question on the show, Nathan. It's very important you get this right. <laughs> Chocolate or cheese? Oh, mate, that's that's cruel. Hey, um, but look, I'm gonna say cheese just because. Because cheese yeah. is the best part. I do want to say also that it really does for me depend on the kind of chocolate and the kind of cheese. Because yeah, man, fair. like I, there are some chocolates I'd probably I mean, we're not touch, animals, and there would be some cheese I probably don't really resonate with. What's so. your, what's your favorite cheese? Um, oh man, I'm a simple man, Beck. I love a bit of cheddar, but like okay. the good cheddar, like yeah, <laughs> the good cheddar. As yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look to be fair. <laughs> We both love chocolate and cheese, but I am definitely team chocolate and Beck. It's definitely team cheese. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At one point, we're going to have to go through all our guests and tally up. <laughs> which, which team's winning, Beck? Yeah, I think cheese is winning. I, okay, I think let's move on to the final <laughs> question then. Let's move on to is the there final question. Is suppression I hear there, Andres? <laughs> I think it might be. I think we need to label this, mate, before we move on. <laughs> I think we should label it, Nathan, as marriage. We'll label it God, as marriage. God, yes. <laughs> and, okay, so the final question, Thought Leader 5. What is one golden nugget of advice you would give to our listeners today? Oh, one nugget. Look, maybe we've explored a little bit today, but all emotions belong right? Like what, mm. whatever's coming up, notice it and, and embrace that, which I think is great. And to, let's, let's go full circle. I would also say that when it comes to personal branding and this whole idea of stepping into the arena, it's okay to feel fear. Like it's okay to feel all these feelings that come up, um, but to notice it and to label that and then to step into what it is that we, we, we know we need to do, I think is it's great. And M Marianne Williamson has this quote, which you probably know because it's quoted all the time. Um, she's a, a thought leader in the US, actually running yeah. for president right now. So, you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. The she, she, yeah. She's ambitious. The, all about love. Exactly. Yes. She is all of the, she's, <laughs> she's the love lady. Um, <laughs> the love lady. She has this quote and it, you, it, it's often attributed to, I think, um, uh, Martin Luther King, I think. Um, but she has this quote that talks about um, our deepest fear being that it, it's not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are so powerful beyond measure. Mm, and um, yes. it's, um, it's that light that really terrifies us. It's not so much that darkness. And it's a beautiful quote just talking about like, um, you know, we ask ourselves, who, who, who am I to, to do this? But the question really is, who are you not to do this? Right, you are a human yeah. living in this world, full of, of of talent and wonder and thought. Who are you not to do this? And so to feel the fear, to notice it, to label it, and to be aware of it, but just to to step into what it is we know we're meant to be doing. That's incredible advice. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> 
Amazing. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been so wonderful to have you. I think the only thing we didn't get was one of your voiceovers because you used to be a voiceover actor, didn't you? I did. That's correct. <laughs> Am I putting you on the spot now? Secret past life. <laughs> Secret past life. Um, yeah. Uh, we can, we well, can maybe do a Nathan, you, you or can... we could do an intro or we could do whatever it is you guys why don't you why don't you take us out um by by telling people where they can find out more about you um in the best voiceover voice you can give us yes (laughs) amazing um (laughs) so uh uh yeah uh you tell me when go for it on three one (laughs) two three I've been asked to give you my best voiceover voice to take you out with all the details about where you can find me. So you can simply head to my website, which is mood.com.au, or you can check out my personal site. That's at nathanjones.com.au. But be warned, I think I took that site down about a week ago and I haven't put it back online. So, terms and conditions apply, see website for details. I don't know, guys. I don't yes. know what I'm doing. I don't that know was what I'm awesome. <laughs> that was good. That, that was, was great. Nathan, that's been such a great chat. Thank you for running the gamut with us. We really appreciate it. Um, it's been so good to have you on the Thought Leader Show. Guys, so good to be here. Thank you so much. That was a great chat. I, I love talking to Nathan. I think the work he's doing is so unique and like so important, so important. Um, and, and so I'm really, really happy that he was able to kind of share some of his journey and, and how he sort of, you know, um, waded through some of those those challenges to, to you know, really push this, this work out into the world. And he's almost done. Well, by the time this is published, his PhD will be done. So congratulations to you, Nathan. We hope it all went, it all went well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think what's particularly fascinating fascinating about Nathan's thought leadership is that it's sort of, you know, it really kind of straddles the worlds between academia and, um, you know, like workplaces and, and, you know, team building as well. I think that's really, really fascinating. He is such a legend and I just love how well he speaks. I mean, how well he presents. He's, oh, I mean, technically he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. He's engaging. He's like, you know, I think, you know, his, his background as like a voice actor um, and a musician, I think like that obviously has given him you know, just, just this incredible way to use his voice and to, you know, evoke kind of emotions and to really engage the room and to, and to hold the space for the room and manage the emotional state of the room. Um, Absolutely. And like, for me, you know, when we saw him on stage at State of Social, I was just like, wow, like the way that like he, like you could tell everyone in the room was going on like this emotional journey with him. And it was just, <laughs> it was just amazing. I've never seen anything like it, honestly. It was just amazing. And, yeah. um, and everyone was just hanging off his every word. It was incredible. Yeah. 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 It was phenomenal. And I've, and, you know, since then we, we've seen a lot of his other content online. Uh, I've seen, I've seen some of his other stuff. Obviously he's a TEDx speaker too. So, you know, like he really understands how to like, um, communicate. And I think that that is so critical. And his point was really, um, 
uh, really salient his point that there are a lot of people with thoughts who don't do the leadership bit, mm. and there are a lot of quote unquote leaders with no or poor you thought. know thoughts. You know, <laughs> yes. um, I thought that was so. He really cut through the crap yes. of that, and I think. I think he really understands how to communicate, you know. He really understands how to tell a story and how to put you into put you into that story so it, it means something to you. That's really profound. That's really profound. It's really rare. I think particularly when you think about how, you know, the work that he does is very technical, right? Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I think because technical in the sense that it's like, you know, it's academic and there's research and clinical trials and clinical studies and everything. Um, but, you know, that element of the emotive really for me makes him a very distinctive thought leader. And I think someone who, you know, can can help educate and teach a lot of different communities about the importance of emotional uh, management and emotional understanding, not just in the workplace, but, you know, sort of in, in all different walks of life. Well, I think people need it in all different walks of life because I think, you know, particularly like in the corporate space and in the workspace, it, emotions aren't very, um, like they're not high on the Understood. agenda, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it kind of feels like you should really be non-emotional and that is kind of revered. Like the less emotional yes. you are, that's sort of the higher up the ladder you go. Yes. But yes. actually, you know, through Nathan's work, he's showing that we are all actually emotional. Um, that's even all we if are. we pretend we're not. <laughs> and yeah. that that's okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's his gift to the world, I think. I think so too. What a what a legend. Oh, and I mean what a voice, right? What a voice. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of The Thought Leader Show. If you enjoyed this chat, we'd love you to share the episode with someone you think might want to hear it and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more information about my work, visit vexans.com and connect with me on socials. And you can connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn. See you next time, Thought Leaders. You could be a voiceover artist. Me? Yeah. Give uh, us a little bit of something. Like <laughs> Tonight on Survivor Australia. Give us a bit of that. Tonight on Survivor Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>